Listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Felice Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Welcome, Mira, to the show. I'm so glad to have you on to talk about implementing language strategies at home with parents. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here on the show today. I know. And I would love it if you shared with the SLPs out there your background, your specialty, what setting you're in, just so people can get to know you a little bit before we talk about working with parents Absolutely. My name is Mira Dieters. I have my own speech therapy private practice that's called Super Speech Solutions. It's crazy to believe that I've been a speech therapist for 14 years now. This is year 14. Next year will be year 15. It's going by very, very fast. I can't believe I've been a speech therapist for this long. I actually have had a lot of unique experiences in that I started out working with adults for the first five years of my career. And now for the last nine years, I've been in pediatrics. So I feel like I've gotten to work in a lot of different settings and I'm extremely happy to be in private practice now. I specialize specifically in working with children who have language disorders, children who have trouble with articulation, children who are autistic or autistic children, and also working with adults who want to receive accent modification or accent reduction services. And you were telling me that you started your own private practice during the COVID pandemic, correct? Yes, I actually did. I started my practice. It was formed, the LLC was formed in November of last year. And yes, during the pandemic, and I'm seeing clients, and I did initially start out as being a telepractice only model. And uh, now I'm doing a hybrid model. So I just recently started doing in-home visits in the city of Houston, and I'm continuing to do a teletherapy so I can see anyone who's in the entire state of Texas. That's awesome. So you have definitely had a lot of changes and I'm sure it's been interesting at times, but you now kind of have a feel for doing both teletherapy and in-home. So I'm hoping you will share a little bit of your experiences with you know, parent coaching language strategies in both settings for SLPs that maybe are going to be in that kind of situation this coming year. Yes, it definitely is a little bit different between in-person sessions and teletherapy sessions. Yeah, to start us off, I would love to know, you know, how do you coach parents with implementing language strategies in the home? Because I know we all know that the more opportunities our our students or our clients get with practicing communication and language, the better they generalize. So, you know, how do you approach that with parents and how do you set that up to get buy-in and their support? So the great thing about private practice is I feel like, honestly, the parents I work with are all amazing. And I feel like the buy-in piece is a little bit less challenging than it would be in other settings because I'm not accepting insurance right now. So people are paying me out of pocket um, for speech therapy services. 
So in terms of buy-in, I feel like that's generally something that's really not challenging, at least in my particular setting. But in terms of talking about strategies and getting them to implement strategies, I think the great thing about doing, you know, doing speech therapy services in person is you really get an idea of what language looks like at home. The biggest thing I think that I do is at the end, the, at the end of the session, I will talk to the parent about what we did. Or maybe the parents watching the whole session. Honestly, it depends a little bit on the age of the child. If it's a child who's under three, I can see why they would want to be sitting on the session or even children up to four or five. Older kids generally are fine being by themselves. And then we would talk to the parent at the very end of the session. So that would be a little bit different. But overall, just taking the time to talk to them about number one, what we did in the session. And number two, what strategies I see are effective. So you know, I think that, like I said, the parents I have really already have the buy-in. So I pretty much talk to them about the strategies that we used in the session and recommend that they try using them at home, seeing how they work, and also having it as an ongoing conversation so that weekly I can find out, hey, they tried this strategy and didn't work, or maybe they tried all the strategies, or maybe they only had time to try one, but it was really effective, or maybe they came up with a new strategy. I mean, the great thing about having communication with a parent or parents on a weekly basis is that I have a much better picture of what's going on with communication. So I feel like in that sense, I'm actually able to help more. Totally. And would you say that there are certain language strategies that you tend to see that parents have more success with using at home? Or do you just take it case by case and really talk with the parents about like what's important to them or what they're wanting to see with, with their child at home? Like how do you narrow down what strategies you're going to work with the parent on? Yeah, I can see why you're asking that. And I agree with what you're saying and that I think it's really a case by case basis because the children I work with are of different ages and they may have a different different goals that we're working on and some of them you know have different severity in terms of the language impairment or the language disorder so it could be a mild moderate severe i mean it really just depends on the individual child yes i um yeah i could see that that would be really important to go in with each family making a unique plan or getting that foundation and then i love what you said about keeping things a kind of an ongoing check-in every week. Mm -hmm. um, so what other tips do you have for SLPs when teaching parents to use language strategies in the home? Well, I think when you start out early in your career as an SLP, or even maybe midway through for me, I think as a younger SLP, you have this idealistic idea that how you conduct speech therapy is how it would happen in the home. But over time, I've realized, and specifically, I think all of us have opened our eyes to this particular area during the pandemic, because us doing a half an hour or 45 minute session, you know, with a child sitting down, you know, looking how it does in a very structured way, is not typically the reality of what can happen at home. So I think the best thing that I can recommend to any SLPs who are listening is, you know, try to have the parent make it functional, you know, don't expect them to have half an hour a day, you know, maybe they have five minutes a day, maybe they're working on I spy in the car while they're taking a 10 minute, you know, trip to school, and they're working on I spy because the child needs to work on using 
grammatically appropriate sentences, for example, or they need to work on describing what they see more. So they're talking about what they see in the environment. So that's a simple example, but you know, maybe they can work on answering WH questions during story time when they read a book every day or once, twice a week. Or maybe they can work on their social skills during a mealtime and the whole family can play it as a game. So I find that if you're able to put it in the you know context of a game or a structured activity that they already do or something that's really easy to do, then there's more success of the home program being followed by a parent or parents. Totally. So what I'm hearing you say too is that trying to have the parents with your guidance find a time during their day that they can focus on the language goal that is it's like least it's part of their day. It's something that they're mm -hmm. already doing and it's short and it's realistic to the naturalistic setting. And then it's a great way to even build. It seems like from, okay, you did five minutes this week. Let's try to increase that time or let's try to think of another time during the day when you could work on communication. And do you find that that helps parents feel more successful it sounds like it helps them to actually do the homework. Whereas if you gave them a worksheet or flashcards, it may not be something they're going to actually find time to do during the week. Yes, I think it does two things. So one, I think the success rate of the home program happening is much, much higher. And two, I do think there is more success because the success can look lots of different ways. And like I said, sometimes it's just success in a different framework. What I do in session does not is not going to be the same thing as what happens at home. They don't need to be the same thing. And do you ever have pushback from parents that are kind of they're wanting worksheets and flashcards or or apps or or more structured activities? Do you ever find parents that want that style of Link. Sometimes, but I think if they do want an app, I mean, there are some apps that I do recommend at times, and there are some that I use in the children I work with, both for articulation and for language. So I think there are some useful apps, and those are something that I recommend sometimes as well. But it really just depends on what their goals are and specifically what we're trying to achieve. Totally. And so do you ever, it sounds like just from hearing how you structure your sessions, especially for in-home, it sounds like you're doing a lot of either the parents watching your session and then at the end you're implementing kind of like a consult model where you're talking with the parents and explaining the strategies. Do you ever bring the parent into the session to coach them with practicing the language strategy or or how, how does that look when working with parents? That is something that I have done. It's not something I've done recently, but certainly that can be helpful. I think specifically in using the DRI or floor time model. And for anyone or any SLP or anyone who's listening who's not familiar with that, I got a basic certification in DIR or floor time training just last year. That one, I feel like if I'm trying to show something specifically, with that model in mind, then definitely I would want to have the parents sitting in so that I can demonstrate exactly what that looks like. To me, that's a specific model. There are strategies associated with that model that are more hands-on, in my opinion. 
Mm-hmm. So you're just kind of, yeah. So you're, we talk a lot on the podcast too about collaborative services and how that can look differently and that each child in the school setting, you know, you can have co-teaching, you can have a consult model and you can have a coaching model. And so I think that it sounds like in many cases, a consult model going into the home has worked really well. Would you say for your, your older students or even just your younger age students? I think it works well for both in different ways. Um, I think, you know, after I've completed initial evaluation, I think it can apply to either situation. I think with younger kids, though, I feel like there's more coaching with the parents for language strategies or even, let's say, if we're working on articulation. And for the older kids, I think with older kids, it depends on their age because I find that for my kids, who are old enough, like let's say they're eight or older and we're working on self-correction of something, that's actually having them be more independent if they're at that level. So in that sense, the parent would probably be less hands-on strategies. And maybe it's more about consult with the older kids. It's more about consulting with the parents on how to create those naturalistic opportunities for them to practice rather than do this activity or... But just at dinner time, this is when you should be working on conversational speech or whatever the, the goal is. So that, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. And so an example of that might be, let's say if, a you know, because I specialize in working with children who have language disorders, let's say that the goal is to have a child correctly use, you know, regular past tense ED verbs and sentences. So you know, let's say the parents is with their child and they're going somewhere and let's say they're in the car for 10, 15 minutes, even on the way to school. So then, you know, the parent could say, and this is an example of what I would have told a parent, you know, for a home program model, like I said, doing something functional in the car. So they could say something like, okay, let's talk about what we did yesterday. And if if they already, of course, would already know what they're working on, you know, the parent could say that, or they know that from working with me then that is a structured time in which they're listening for their child to use that grammatical structure correctly. And if they're not, then they just reinforce it by saying it correctly back in the sentence for them. Yeah, that's an awesome example of how a parent can work on grammar and how you can set it up for the parent to do during the week. So I love that example. And I know that for the SLPs listening that are working in the school setting, these same consultation coaching strategies could work seamlessly in the classroom. You're going to be coaching the teacher and the instructional aides versus the parent. So you just have to reshift your mindset to just, you know, who you're coaching. And I guess I wonder, do you have certain types of language strategies that you feel have been the most beneficial in particular for working on language goals or what have you found to be the strat the language strategies you continue to coach parents on using well there are a couple that i think are extremely important just across the board no matter who i'm working with in terms of what we're working on in language but One specifically that I would say is really important for teachers and for parents and for SLPs as well is to keep language simple. So specifically, if we know that a child has trouble with their receptive language skills or they have trouble with understanding language, then it's really important for us to keep instruction simple. 
And so the rule of thumb that I try to use is to use a you know, fairly appropriate MLU in my own words when I'm giving the child directions. So let's say the child were, you know, uses five words. Well, I shouldn't be giving them a 10 word direction because that's already too much. So my direction should be somewhere around four or five words, maybe six at the most. Totally. So it's really important to know where your, your student or client, your child that you're working with, where they're at with their language, and then model those strategies of simplifying. I'm sure you coach parents to do pausing. And then it sounds like you've even taught parents with about conversational recasting for grammar. Any strategies that you, you lean on for um, building vocabulary or comprehension? For building vocabulary, um, I think what's important is one, really, if a child is reading a book with their parent and they don't know a word, then I think you can always get them to look it up and figure out the meaning of the word and how to use it appropriately in the sentence. So that's one. But two, I think also just talking about all kinds of experiences that you can have together, whether you're going to the park, you're going to the grocery store, or wherever you're going, you try to talk about the associated vocabulary for that activity. Let's say if they're taking a trip to the museum with their parents and they know they're going to talk about dinosaurs and there's going to be a lot of dinosaur related vocabulary. That's just a specific example, but I think it can apply to any scenario you're in. So I know now that it's summertime here, um, you know, and school is out, it might be more related to what you're going to do on summer vacation or, you know, maybe you're going to the water park. What are all the things you're going to see and do there? Yeah. And then that's another really good point that you brought up of, you could even check in with the parent, like, Hey, what are your summer plans? Or what do you, what do you do on the weekend? And then if you know what they're going to be doing, you, you can even plan your therapy sessions, highlighting those vocabulary words or building their background knowledge before they get to go experience that activity. And then give the parents even a little assignment to do while they're out and about at the museum or, you know, so you can, I, I love that whole collaborative piece. And I think sometimes it's harder for the school-based SLPs to be able to collaborate with the parents. But this, this year with COVID, we were definitely able to, <laughs> to collaborate with parents in teletherapy. So it was a cool way to see what's going on more in the home and you felt more connected. So Cool. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next question about just, I know you said you did teletherapy and now you're doing in-home sessions. Do you find that you approach your teletherapy sessions and your in-home sessions similarly when coaching parents or do you do things a little bit differently? I think the coaching can be a little bit different. I think coaching, we may have a longer discussion if I'm in person at someone's home seeing them. And I think that's the nature of just when you're having a face-to-face -face conversation, you might just think more, it might be more of a check-in. Okay, let's talk about what happened this week or what strategies are working or not working at home. And I think what happens with online therapy is that you may just not necessarily think of that just because, you know, not seeing that person face-to-face. -face. So I think if anything, for me, the main difference might be that I might talk a little bit more to the parents for an in-home session. And then how do you structure your session? Do you, you go in, talk with the, or you do your therapy session and then 
you have 10 minutes at the end to always consult with the parents? Right. So typically what I do is because most of my sessions are half an hour, I'll run the session for 25 minutes with the child. And for the last five minutes, certainly go over what I did in the therapy session with the parent or parents or caregiver, whoever is present for the session. That's awesome. Yeah. I've even heard of some SLPs when they were doing teletherapy, they would give the parent an assignment to like film their child while they were, you know, doing some of the homework and then send it to the clinician. And then they would either watch it together and have a reflective discussion if the parent was open to that, because that is a little bit vulnerable. But I I thought that, uh, yeah, I was like, that could be, yes, it could work with some families or, you know, they can look, they have homework to film themselves and then answer a couple of questions to see what they saw themselves doing and then what, how they think something could go differently or whatever, whatever structure you want to do. That's a great idea, but I definitely agree with what you're saying and that that would have to individually work for that parent or that particular family, because I know that would not be something that's going to be easy for everyone to do. And it may not be at the level that would be appropriate for every child either. Yeah, I think the main pieces that I hear you sharing that has been really successful is being consistent with checking in with the parents every week and then giving them functional assignments that keep the pressure of implementing them low, but then they know that you're going to come back next week and ask them how it went. Ask something about it. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that. It's just, you know, I think the main pieces too is like starting small Mm -hmm. and then giving them functional things to do. And then that consistent check-in and as they grow more comfortable, you can continue to show them new strategies or ask them what, you know, what, what else they would like support with. So that, I think sometimes we overcomp, we want to overcomplicate it. We want to give them handouts and we want to, you know, tell them all the things they can do in one session. And we forget that they are not there. This is all new to them in some ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. And the thing with handouts, I feel like nowadays too, is that everything's so digital that I feel like personally, if I give out a handout at this point, I mean, unless it's the child's initial evaluation or reevaluation, I don't really feel like I hand out so many paper-based activities anymore, unless I know that I've seen the child have a speech folder and they are putting it in the folder. And I know that they're keeping track of the folder because I feel like paper stuff really just gets lost mostly. Right. Or you could send them to a podcast episode or a YouTube video nowadays to mm-hmm. check out <laughs> some yes. strategies. So we are definitely in a new uh, digital era with supporting parents, I think, which is awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, is there any other just last bits of advice or things you to consider when implementing language strategies in the home? There's another one I thought of, which I think, again, can be applicable for a lot of different children who have difficulty with language to different degrees. But I think one thing that all of us really, as professionals, parents, teachers, all of us together, forget is that we need to give a child processing time. So a lot of the children, like we're talking about in this particular podcast episode, we're talking about children who have difficulty with language. So if they, in fact, have difficulty with receptive language, 
in which we know they have trouble understanding, it's important to give them enough time to process a direction after we've given it to them. And I think a lot of times what happens is all of us want to repeat it because, oh my gosh, they haven't followed it right away. So I highly recommend the five second rule, meaning that if I give a child direction, I try to give them at least five seconds. I'll kind of count in my head or just roughly feel out what I think that is. And then if they haven't responded, then I might say it again. But again, giving them enough time to process Sometimes when they have that time, then they're able to follow the direction. And sometimes they might need to hear the direction again. It just depends. Yeah, that's a really good um, strategy. And I think even telling the parent beforehand, like, hey, this session, I'm going to be pausing for five seconds and this is why I'm doing it. And so Mm -hmm. just so that they know, because I think some people, some parents may not even know you know, they want their kid to respond right away and and not understand that whole piece of the processing time. And, you know, modeling that for them is a really great strategy. And then letting them know as well, like, this is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure, that's important. Totally. All right. Well, it was super fun chatting with you, Mira. And um, I loved all your tips for implementing language strategies in the home. You have your private practice in Houston. It's called Super Speech Solutions. And I will put a link in the show notes if anyone wants to check that out. Or, you know, you have parents listening and they're looking for services. You can go find Mira. All right. Well, everybody have a great rest of your week. Remember to be the SLP that every kid wants to see. Stay inspired and I'll see you next Tuesday. All right. Bye. Ha <laughs> ha